Hi all, Steve Perman here. Thank you for tuning in. I'm thinking, well, maybe hoping that you're all a little bit happier than you were this time last week. Off the back of that um, disappointing home defeat to Everton. Typical in football, as you start to despair that your club uh, is going in the wrong direction towards struggle then events take a turn and things begin to change for the better. Of course, the wonderful demolition of Southampton. Yes, great win, and, but any first three points of a season, as early as you can get it, are so important. And the knowledge that two new signings can help Spurs take off into this new season with some renewed optimism. To add to the already um, changes in the squad um, since the end of last season. So that performance was so good to watch and it left me asking the question, just how good a player can Harry Kane be with this special talent? Uh, I've always been told when judging a player that the player has to either score goals, create goals, or stop goals. So, of course, we know about Harry's goal-scoring exploits. Fantastic, fantastic. There's goals, there's goals in those boots, and I was lucky enough to play with Chivers, Martin Chivers, in his hot spell. The end of Jimmy Greaves, unfortunately, the end of Jimmy Greaves at his Spurs time, but I saw the, 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 the wonderful things that he could do and take goals. And Steve Archibald and, and Garth Crooks, Mark Falco, for instance. Um, but Harry entered into a different realm last weekend. Um, to create the goals the way that he did. You know, if a player like Ericsson had passed the ball in the manner that Harry did to create the goals for, for Son. I mean, his ability and his look and his, his eye for the, for the pass was tremendous. So, of course, we know he can score goals and he can create goals. So you say, well... Stevie's got two out of the three things that you should be looking for in a player. Well, guess what? When Harry goes back and defends corners, I think he's the main man. If you were playing against Tottenham Hotspur, he's the main man for you to miss out and go anywhere where Harry's not because he is so good at clearing his lines. Uh, normally with his head, but you're capable of putting his body in the way if if it's not the normal situation of header at goal or header out. So, um, so that suggests to me that, you know, the judgments that I've been making on players over the years, Harry has got three ticks out of three. So I think that's great to see. Um, I think there was some disappointment in Harry 
in the performance against Everton. And we all tried to read things into it. And was he disappointed with the, with the lack of signings and the, maybe the service he's getting, etc. Um, so with, you know, with the, the two new players signing, um, it probably gave him a lift. And guess what? He returned it by giving all us a lift. So, so again, I come back to the question, how good a player can Harry end up with that special talent? I can't wait to see um, the result of that. So anyone tuning in for the first time, uh, the theme of these podcasts in this new season was for me to use the fixture list. Um, of course, our next opponents are Newcastle, the league fixture list. And for me to just try and drag up some memories of past uh, games against them during my time. I've also taken on board um, the wealth of knowledge of, of Howard, a good friend of mine. Hi, Howard. Hi, yeah. Thank you for attending again. And um, so Howard's going to give us some views or, or opinions from the supporter side of things, which is already done twice to, to very good order. So later on, Howard, I'll be calling upon you to tell us some Newcastle stories. So, um, so I'm going to start off the first one. This is Steve Perryman. Joins Tottenham Hotspur, 15 years of age, from school. School went crazy that I left. They thought I was some type of um, university prospect, which I didn't quite buy into. Um, played for the England schoolboys, so I, I, I joined with a little bit of a fanfare. It's only schoolboy international, but Tottenham weren't usually signing such, such a player that was wanted by so many clubs. So I spent most of my time in my first year um, trying to avoid being special. It, being special does not sit that well with me. And if I can be under the surface, out of the way, just doing my job with no one passing comment, that's fine by me. And I think that would have done me good because of the, the other players can always, in any, any group of players, can be, call it jealous, call it wary of someone coming in that's going to take the football world by storm. They've heard it all before. So, um, and everything was going fine with regard to this. And then in April 68, I am with the youth group. We're, we're training on a Friday morning. Bill Nicholson comes over to watch our sprints because that's all we did on a Friday morning. And then after that, as apprentices, we, we did our jobs before we could go home and rest. And uh, everyone was surprised that Bill Nick was watching us and wasn't involving himself at that point with the first thing. So he, all of a sudden, he said, Steve, have you got a suit? Yeah. Okay, I want you to go home, put your suit on, and meet us at uh, platform whatever at King's Cross Station 
you are going to help Cecil Poynton, who's not well, you're going to help him deal with the skips. And probably a first team then would have taken four or five skips full of boots and kit and all the stuff you need to, to play a game. So I could feel that the heads dropped of all the other people in that group because I'd been singled out, which I certainly did not want. And the manager has given me instructions. So guess what? I'm going to carry those out. So I, I make my way back to the dressing room, get changed. Um, slightly disappointed that I'm not going to be playing a game of football the next day, but I've got this opportunity to spend some time with the first team. And the first team players certainly wouldn't know me. So I do what he said, go home, put my suit on, and all my family's excited. They think I'm going to play at Newcastle. Mm, don't think so. I'm going to help with the skips. I made the point I'm helping with the skips because Cecil's not well. So I met him on the, on the platform and um, travelled up to Newcastle with the team. In the team was Pat Jennings, Philip Beale, Cyril Knowles, Mallory, Mike Kingdon, Dave Mackay, Gilly, Jimmy Greaves, Chiv, Venables, Robertson. So this is a, a wonderful group of players. I mean, wonderful. And they, of course, knew, saw me as a new face. They wouldn't have known my name, for instance, at that point, and uh, involved me in their, their way because they were nice people. I saw gambling on the table um, that day, that train trip that I don't think I'd ever seen in my life, the amount of money. And um, by the way, I'm earning six pound a week at this time as a first year apprentice. So when we arrive in Newcastle, I help Cecil with the skips off the train onto the bus. When the bus gets to the Gosford Park Hotel, I help Cecil get the skips off the bus into the hotel. Then spend the evening eating with the players and uh, during the evening or during that meal, uh, uh, some autographed books got passed around the table. I was sat next to Pat Jennings. He signed them, passed them to me. I passed them straight on because no one wants my autograph. And, uh, and Pat said to the waitress, hey, love, give me them books here. Get, get this lad to sign them. He's going to be some player. Now, I really don't know if Pat knew me or not. Probably not, but it was just being nice. So, you know, go to bed, wake up excited. The next day, I'm going to be part of this Spurs team playing away at Newcastle. Newcastle, always known for the passion of their supporters and stuff. I'm involved in the, you know, having breakfast with the players. I'm part of the pre-match talk when Bill Nick named the team. And then we get on the bus and I would have helped Cecil put the skips on the bus. And we go to Newcastle United. Wonderful ground, one fantastic crowd. And noise like I'd never encountered in my life. I played in front of 100,000 at, at Wembley by that time in a schoolboy international. But this crowd was only 30,000, only 30,000. It was full and by Christ, did they make some noise. Our team did great. They were 3-0 up very quickly. I'm thinking, this is good. I must be some lucky mascot. 
Eventually won 3-1. Gilly scored one and Martin Chivers two. At the end of the game, everyone's happy. The players are saying, Steve, you brought us some good luck today. You've got to come again. I'm thinking, I wish. And um, help Cecil. But I'm just around them. I'm around those fantastic players. And if you wanted to give a young player a lift, I cannot think of any better way. So I think Bill Nick did it for the reason that he said to help Cecil. But the, the result of that was this young man felt what it was like to go out and, and do your job on behalf of Bill Nicholson and Tottenham Hotspur in front of a vociferous crowd hating you because you've just beaten them. Um, of course, packed the skips, put it on the bus to the station, at the station, there's about 2,000 people waiting for us. There was a bit of nonsense went on because they, they felt that our team had cheated. There was no chance of that. And, um, and I, I was like walking on air. I was traveling with this successful team back to London. And of course, back, got back to King's Cross and said goodbye to everyone. And, uh, but what a day for a 16-year-old boy to spend that day couple of days with, with Greaves and Mackay and see how Mackay led those, led his troops and uh, the effect that he had on them. And um, so, yeah, that's my Newcastle story that helped me uh, fall out with probably the rest of the young squad at Tottenham, but uh, I suppose announced me to the, to the older players. It's the sort of thing, if Bill Nicholson knew that I was going to play, stay for 19 years, playing his first team for 17 years, why would you not take that young player? Well, guess what? He didn't know if I was going to make one, one debut performance at that point. No one knows. So he really did take me to help Cecil and uh, it, was, it was great to do so. What I'm never, ever going to forget that day a fine away victory and uh, to spend time with those terrific group of people was, was amazing. So Howard, that's my first tale. Would you like to um, give us some of your wisdom now, please? Great. Um, we're going back to January, 1975 today. Yep. Season 74-75 was a terrible time. We flirted yeah. all season with relegation. In the FA Cup, we were drawn away to Nottingham Forest of the second division. Incidentally, this was the first match Forest played under Brian Clough. We drew the first game up in Nottingham one all, and they came to White Hart Lane and we lost 1-0. So here we were out of both cups and in the bottom three. It looked like a disaster. We only had relegation to fight against, something none of us were prepared for. The next game then took on huge significance. This was a league match away to Newcastle. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. I was at home pacing the floor awaiting news. The radio and TV people hadn't bothered with covering our match, so it wasn't until the teleprinter clicked into action as the results came in that it came through that we had won 5-2. It must be a mistake. It can't have been. It must have been the other way around. Can't be the same team that just lost in the FA Cup, surely? Surely. No, it was true. We'd won 5-2 and the star scoring hat-trick was Alfie Conn. Billy Nick had brought 
Alfie from Scotland. He was clearly very talented, but never knuckled down. And I know you're not a fan of his, Steve. But I was a fan of him that day, Howard. <laughs> he scored three goals for Tottenham Hotspur in such a season. I think we probably carried, carried Alfie off the pitch. He, yeah. But for me, a great talent, it just didn't produce enough. Yeah. Enough times. So carry on, please. That's pretty well it for the introduction to that, that time. What I found when I was researching this and re reading old stuff up was that actually the first half of 74-75 was interesting because Billy Nick, of course, resigned. And yeah. the Terry whole machinations that went on before, by the time Terry, Terry Neal was appointed, um, I hadn't, hadn't forgotten how much intrigue and how much was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the thing I remember from that game, Howard, because I played in it, what, what a f another fine victory at Newcastle um, was, I, I believe, and this is from my memory, I believe that we were 4-0 up at half-time. And, you know, what, what sort of half-time talk do you have? Just keep, get, keep doing the same things or, well, we eventually walked out onto the pitch and I have never heard such a noise the Newcastle supporters that people over the years have told me stories about them. Keith Birkinshaw was a coach there. Ozzy Ardell is managed there. Uh, I'm told about the passion of the Geordies and the passion they showed when that team, their team walked out onto the pitch was absolutely incredible. They were going to try and lift their team out of this hole that had been dug for them and hope I'm right, I think it was 4-0, the scoreline. So, okay, we won 5-2. You could say that uh, it didn't work, but in, in effect, they won the second half 2-1, and uh, they didn't crumble. They absolutely didn't crumble. And probably if we'd have been a, a team with more confidence at the time, 4-0 up at half-time, who knows? with confidence, extra confidence, but this didn't happen during that season. We would have probably gone on and won by more goals, but, but we didn't. But I, I am always respectful for the, the, the game that you mentioned, Howard, and my game as a 16-year-old there. I always have the greatest respect for Newcastle supporters and think they, they, uh, they truly, truly believe and love their club. Noticeable a couple of seasons ago that Arsenal were winning 4 0 up there at half time and ended 4 0. Well, yeah, but that, yeah, now you've reminded me. So probably the same thing took part yeah. uh, on that day as well. So the second game I want to talk about so one was as a 16 year old uh, traveling by surprise with the team. And then Later on, when I'm 17, I get the chance in the team. I make my debut against Sunderland, uh, which we lose 1-0. Uh, the team is going through a transition period and Terry Venables left and lots of people tried to fill the midfield role and eventually Bill Nick brought me in and Dennis Bond to help out uh, Alan Mullery in there. But people like Roger Morgan and Jimmy Greaves took 
some part in midfield, a, a midfield role, which seemed unbelievable, but Bill Nick tried it. So eventually they settled for, for me and I played most games then from, from then on for that season. And the game that really bedded me in was 18th of the 10th, 69. So it's about my fourth, fifth game. And good game. We won 2-1. Greaves scored two goals. Jimmy, only the way that he can. And the, the second goal will stay in my memory forever and ever. I was a defensive midfield player, bringing energy to the team. Hopefully that's what I did. And when I started tackling and wasn't any great shakes as a tackler, as a youth team player, or as a schoolboy player. If the ball was there, I'd try and win it, but no extra zing into the tackle. But the moment I started to tackle in front of the White Art Lane crowd, they, the way they reacted to my tackle was, we like you doing that, and we want you to do that again. So guess what? For me to stay in the team, I've got to give the crowd what they want. So I was starting to get a name then for my competitiveness, which every player should be competitive, but this was extra. I was nonstop. I sometimes wonder about players that have time to stand around a football pitch or even jog. Um, because it felt like in you know this game and then the few games before that for the first team that, that I was non-stop. And I'm not saying I was non-stop great, but I'm saying I was non-stop. That, that was unquestionable. And uh, at some point in the game, um, Bobby Moncur brings the ball out from the back and now he's running towards our box. And I was actually with another player and also there was a referee involved in this. And Bobby Munker veered away from me and who I was marking. So I think I was sort of shielded by the, the other Newcastle players. So I think when I came out to challenge him for the ball, it was some sort of, of um, surprise to him. And he slightly overrun the ball. So I got under him with my left foot and just knocked the ball away. So it wasn't actually a tackle because there was no, nothing coming from the other player. Well, the ball goes up to the halfway line. Jimmy Greaves is waiting there as if I passed it to him. Well, guess what? I didn't. All I was happy was dispossess the opponent. As per my job, it, go, it forced to Jimmy. Jimmy turns and runs as Jimmy does. And about three seconds later, it was in the back of their net. So when we talk about on the break, as we do these days and show to such great effect at Southampton, this was on the break, but my part of it was not meant. My part was just to win the ball. Goes up to Jimmy. He does what Jimmy does. He's running at their goal. Panic from the defenders. They're trying to get back. They're trying to get between him and the goal. He waits for them to get on that line and then cuts inside, takes it up to the goalkeeper, rounds him and puts it in the net. And he runs back to the halfway line and he probably put his hand on my head and shook my hair as if to say, you, you made that, son. 
So that was me really being embedded in to the first team. Up to that point, they liked me, but young player, is he going to blow out? Is, he gonna, is his energy going to lapse? Uh, can he keep up this, this momentum that he's getting? Well, after that, you can imagine the, the confidence that it gave me and the fact that it was Jimmy Greaves on the end of my tackle and for them to, then him to go and score, it was like, it was like I'd created six goals, not one. So um, I was really proud because that bit of film was shown on the, the recent Jimmy Greaves film. And um, yeah, so I, I was part of the Jimmy Greaves history and I'm, I'm so proud to say that. So they're, they're my two stories. Um, I'm sure there's other ones. Um, but maybe when we play the return game with Newcastle, we can talk about those. Uh, Newcastle has been good for Tottenham Hotspur over the years. Um, it's been mentioned to me, David Ginola, Chris Waddle, Paul Gascoigne, you know, three extremely talented players and the sort of players that get you on the edge of your seat and make you want to come back for more. And it's the sort of player that, that uh, Tottenham players, Tottenham supporters sort of love to watch. And um, so I'm, I'm obviously going to make a link here with someone we've just signed, uh, Bale, uh, who's in that category. Um, they all have magic in their boots. And I wasn't particular that player. Um, I was more the worker, but I have such respect for players. So you mentioned him, Howard, Alfie Kahn. Alfie Kahn could have got to that group of players. He was exciting. When he came off, it was exciting. I think I said that he didn't quite do it enough. So he was moved on and I'm sure had, had a good time elsewhere, um, but not with, uh, not with Tottenham Hotspur. You mentioned earlier uh, Dennis Bond. Yes. He was another one who we had great hopes for. He never quite made it. Dennis was a strange one. That Dennis was uh, the striker of a ball. He reminded me of Phil Holder and they reminded each other of the way to strike a ball. And um, it was like the good golfer. They hardly, hardly put effort into it to strike the ball. But they just got the timing and they hit the sweet spot. And Dennis Bond was a fantastic passer of the ball. And um, I think maybe Dennis's Bond, Dennis Bond's body, similar to Phil Holder, the body worked against them. They... In an era where it come about work rate being so important in midfield, um, it almost became too important. And, and therefore, players like the two I mentioned sort of were overlooked, um, but almost would have been better in a, in a different era when work rate wasn't quite so important as it turned out to be in the 70s. So... Um, uh, of course, um, I've I've left one person out there, Keith Birkinshaw. He um, he joined us. He was first team coach at Newcastle, and Terry Neal brought him when when he got the job uh, after Bill Nicholson leaving. 
and Keith was one of those people that, that loves the game and um, always speaks very well of, of um, Newcastle. I, I came into contact with Keith in a youth tournament in Holland. Spurs always used to travel to the Feyenoord tournament. And Keith Birkinshaw, I think, was in charge of the Newcastle team that won that trophy, which Keith has always reminded me of. So, um, so yeah, he, he eventually joined Tottenham and, and despite being the manager that took us down into the second division, he ended up being the second most successful manager and, and therefore looked like a very wise um, selection as manager and even wiser selection of keeping him as manager when we got relegated and I'm not sure that would happen these days but um, sometimes patience works out for you in the end if you've got the right man go go with what your eyes are telling you not necessarily the results so um so yeah been an exciting week for Spurs hopefully they can do the job against Newcastle You'll be watching it, Howard? For sure. Yeah, I will try and find a television somewhere because I'm still in this hotel. And um, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for a good performance and um, keep the support going for Spurs. Keep your passion. And um, thanks for listening. And uh, speak to you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Spurs. Bye, Howard. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.